The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome, everybody, to The Christine Upchurch Show and The Vibration of Change. So great for you joining us here today. Um, I am joining the show from Orcas Island, Washington, which may explain why my video or my audio might not be perfect, but please forgive me, I needed nature. Um, and before I tell you anything about our guest, I wanna say hello to the people behind the technology today, Zach, hey Zach. Hey. And Mr. Benny, hey Benny. Hi, how's it going? And Zach's just short and sweet. He just likes to go straight in and get it all done and out of the yeah. way. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Hey. What's yes, up? Yes. And it, it's so strange to have like done the show in the studio mm -hmm. at KKNW for years, like, you know, seven and a half years. And now it's like always in a little corner of my house somewhere. And uh, I miss you, Benny. I miss seeing you in the studio. Oh, I miss you too, for sure. And we'll try to make sure we get that uh, satellite and tower up a little bit higher so your video comes in a little bit better. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we know you're distant, you know, but it's all good. You're just safe and sound. Okay. That's all that matters. Worst case scenario, we can always eliminate my video feed because you guys have seen me a number of times. You know, you're probably tired of looking at my mug um, and then just do audio only. But what we're going to do is, um, you know, before we go into our quick break to check technology and, and make some tweaks, um, I just wanted to let you know that we're going to be talking about something that is really important today. We are going to be talking about anxiety. Not only anxiety for those of us who have grown up and processed so much and are still having a hard time, but anxiety for teens. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine what it must be like to be a teen right now. But um, we're going to go to a quick 60 second break. Stay tuned for the other side with our guest, Jody Amon. And we're going to be talking about um, anxiety and how to get over it. Stay tuned. The vibration of change that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. You know, um, we are dealing with so much anxiety because life is not what we thought it should be. 
it's not what we thought it would be. And it's kind of overwhelming at times for those of us who've even spent decades on our conscious you know, psycho-spiritual journeys where we've learned to trust that there is a bigger picture behind things. Um, can you imagine what it's like to be an adolescent, a teenager, a young adult where life was already a little different for them, a lot different for them because of all the technology and then add social distancing, add fear of not being able to have a, a future career in, in the, the area they, they thought they might be able to, um, not knowing if their life was just gonna be filled with protests and chaos. Well, our guest today is an expert at dealing with anxiety, particularly with teens. Her most recent book relates to teens. Jody Amon, she's a, been a family therapist for more than two decades. Um, and she shows people how to create practical miracles. I love that. Even in the most difficult times such as now. As an inspirational speaker, she helps Generation Z and their parents find their diamond confidence, which I'm going to be asking her about, teaching usable tools to an anxiety survivor. No, I'm just sorry. Teaching usable tools to push past fear, connect with their personal agency, and expand their consciousness. She is an anxiety survivor, and so she totally gets it. As a mom of teens, she double dog gets it. Through her TEDx Wilmington talk, Calm Anxious Kids, which I've watched, um, and her best-selling book, You Won Anxiety Zero, Jody is changing the way we understand the current mental health crisis. Look for her newest book right now on the shelves, Anxiety, I'm So Done With You, A Teen's Guide to Ditching Toxic Stress and Rewiring Your Brain for Happiness. Um, and there it is, if, if you can see, um, Jody's holding it up right now. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jody Amon. Hey, Jody. Thank you. It's so nice to talk to a, um, a fellow uh, Wilmington TEDx talk um, survivor, thriver. <laughs> oh, it's the most it, it wonderful, a, the, the most wonderful TEDx venue, isn't it? It uh, is. TEDx Wilmington, they just know what they're doing and um, just, just wonderful, wonderful people, so... Yes. And I think at this point, it, they're no longer doing more. Um, uh, but it, for me, I was sharing something that was a very vulnerable truth that I had never shared widely. And so it just felt like a safe place. Um, and doing a TEDx is very different. So uh, you know, when I watched yours, I thought you did a great job. And I learned something from that. Thank you. Um, okay. So first of all, I, I want to understand how, as a family therapist, you ever got interested in anxiety? Well, as a family therapist, you're dealing with it all the time. You know, so many people are experiencing such uh, trouble and such hardship and, and such overwhelm right now. And it's actually been increasing. You know, I've been doing this work for two decades and it's getting worse. It's getting worse for all ages, but especially it's getting worse for our young people. We see the statistics of anxiety, depression. I was just sitting with a chair of our um, psychiatric, our, our biggest psychiatric clinic in Rochester, and he said 25% of young people under 18 are on a, a psychotropic medication. 25%. Oh, gosh. It's just really, really increasing, and suicide rates are increasing. So we really need to, there is something to do, and we really need to do it. So are you approving of that approach of, of the pharmaceutical approach to, to dealing with anxiety in general? 
Well, I, you know, I see, uh, I see it as a tool because, you know, medications, they do save lives. And so they're, they're an important piece of the puzzle. But when people think that, and I talk about this in my book, when people think that they need it, it disconnects them with their own skills and abilities. And I think there's a lot in our culture that is disconnecting us with our own skills and abilities. And so if you frame the medication in a different way, like thinking about it as a tool, first of all, less of us would take it. You know, it wouldn't be that, you know, we are a culture of wanting a really quick fix. And sure. so they, so people do the medicine because it's a quick fix. You know, we don't want to do the work, but unfortunately that culture of wanting a quick fix is also the same culture as decreasing our connection with our own personal agency. And that's why we don't have very robust mental health in our culture. You know, if we were in touch with our own skills and our own resilience and our own abilities, we'd be much more robust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that technology before we get into COVID and, and, you know, the, the additional stress that is put upon teams right now. Yeah. What is it about technology that adds to stress? Well, this is, I outline, I outline this in my TEDx Wilmington talk, but I talk about how this generation has had a device in their hand since about seventh grade or ninth grade. Right. So they've had it from a younger age than any other generations have had access to the internet with all of these messages. And one research study said um, from common, um, common media says that um, they get 4,000 messages a day, kids. And probably it's increasing in the last couple of months because they're actually on their phone a lot more during right. this, the COVID pandemic. And so 4,000 messages a day. And I, I really think that there's these three categories of messages that are, are perpetuating the idea that people are out of control. Now, feeling out of control is a hallmark of anxiety. Anxiety wants you to feel out of control. Okay. Anxiety is feeling out of control, right? And so the okay. messages are the four, the three kinds are one is this comparison culture. You know, we're, we're comparing our backstage mess to somebody else's highlight reel, what they're going to post on social media. And so we're always going to find ourselves inadequate if we do that. So that's just much more prevalent. I mean, the result, you know, we've always had this comparison culture. It's just much more in our face. Yeah. And then and, and I, I, that's, that's even true for adults. And I think about oh, yeah. teens, they're going through that stage where they sort of shift from um, connecting or, or identifying with the tribe of the family to identifying the tribe with their peers. So it's probably even, um, the stakes are even higher for those who are teenagers in terms of you know how they present themselves and how they are viewed on social media. Right, so the sense of the, the needing to belong or having the sense like wondering if you belong and trying to figure out where you belong, what your purpose is and who you are and what you're all about is so, this is what we're going through when we're teenagers, we're needing to go through this process. So these were particularly sensitive to the comparison, we're particularly sensitive to all these things. And that's why, you know, it's hitting them a little bit harder, but yes, for sure, all ages, like all my peers, you know, I'm, in, I'm middle-aged, but all my peers are struggling with the same thing. You know, it's fact yeah. that comparison culture from being online so much is really affecting how we see ourselves. And so, yeah, you need to just double down. So the second uh, okay. message is all this violence that we're seeing or all this divisiveness and arguing right. that we're seeing online. So if we're online a lot or we have these messages all the time, either news or our news feed in our social media, we're seeing that there's so much 
against each other. It's so much antagonistic and there's, there's violence, random violence. And this makes us feel really out of control, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it, I'd it, like to, yeah, I'd like ahead. to add something to that because it seems to me that um, even as an adult viewing some of what's going on between the, like the, some of the protests and, and violence there to police brutality, to um, just like these strange things that either we, didn't occur in our country before some of them and some of them have been happening for a long time and so it's illuminating and as an adult i'm having a heck of a time processing that how yeah, there's is a lot that, of this how do, how do teens, happening yeah so how, how do teens process that they process they just feel increasingly out of control or that that you know their their activity doesn't matter now you know our brain was developed to if we were in a stressful situation we were in the stressful situation so we would be you know using those hormones that are triggered to respond to the situation now we're like on our couch or in our bed um whatever and and we can't do anything so the hormones just make us feel even more helpless and when i say hormones i mean the adrenaline right? The stress hormone of adrenaline. And, you know, we feel even more helpless and it doubles down. Our brain's like, okay, we're not okay. We're helpless. We got to pump out some more. And, um, and so that's, that's, so, so this randomness that we're seeing, or this, the message that all of this is random is, um, is very scary. And all this is increasing. So yeah, we're, we've never been safer. I mean, I I don't want to say that for, you know, there is, there is some marginalized communities that have always been unsafe, but overall in the world, there's less war going on. That doesn't, that doesn't minimize that there is some still, but there's less war going on than ever in human history, but it looks like more because we see it more. Yeah. Okay, so what's the third category that creates the stress? This is my favorite one because this is what we really don't see. You know, the first two people understand and seeing like, yeah, it's a problem for everybody. But the last one is we are encultured with our commercialism to that quick Mm -hmm. fix, like that, um, that you deserve stuff just because you're you or you or this uh, immediate gratification. And so when you think about we deserve immediate gratification, when we're not immediately gratified, which is most of the time, then we, uh-huh. we it, it hits us at our sense of worth, you know? So when we're uh-huh. not able to be immediately gratified, we think it's a worth issue. And it's not necessarily cognitive, but it feels like that in our belief, in our heart. It feels like there's something wrong with, we, but we don't know what it is. We feel like we're unworthy for some reason, and we're not really sure why so that we can't do anything. Again, all of these things are disconnecting us with our own skills and abilities. And I see like there's a, a lack of cause and effect. Like we don't see how we do something to make something happen. We're losing that idea. So kids are feeling like they have no skills and not able to do so life is really scary you know life is really right. scary when you think there's nothing that you could do and how are you going to handle anything bad if that's the case mm-hmm. this is why anxiety is so bad and i think about covid and um it's this invisible enemy so it's not even okay the police brutality or the the drive-by shooting that people might be able to watch out for and change their behavior in a significant way in order to to hopefully avoid that. But with COVID, it's everywhere. And, um, you know, some say it just, it travels through the atmosphere. And, you know, there's some controversy about whether, you know, in and of itself, it's really bad. There's there's some things relating to pollution and and stuff. But regardless of 
what it is, it's causing illness, death, and it seems to be kind of random in some ways. And that must add a whole other layer of fear when you can't see the so-called enemy. Well, you know, the young people are, are, are really not even looking at all that. You know, they're not even looking at that. And I don't think it's really random. You know, we know that it hits minority cultures, a higher percentage, and that's it's yeah. really unfortunate. I mean, that's just the devastating thing. And, and there is some people who, I don't know if I agree with that there is something we could do to change those things. Those things are um, our problems culturally. And so that feels out of control. But for kids, the biggest consequence for young people from this COVID pandemic is the isolation. And the isolation yeah. and lack of being able to be have activities so they lost their purpose because they lost activities, they lost connection, they lost their community, they lost the routines, and we need a routine to make us feel good, that's lost. You know, we lost like novelty, because every day is sort of the same, you know, right. and so there's just so many, and then they lost like things they're looking forward to, so they don't even have that. Um, yeah. They lost a lot of activities that used to be creative, and those creativities, like they build the robustness of that sense of self. And so their confidence is tanking. The isolation mm. is really hurting them. I think that's much worse because yes, they know that there's this thing going on, but you know, the kids I know are not reading the articles about the, the risks of the illness. They're not, and they're not reading. They're just like, okay. it's just like, they just block that all out, yeah. but what? But they are still being devastated during this time because it's so unusual. If they can't, they haven't learned right to to put their own routine into place because they've always had the routine and the structure of the life. They haven't learned to, you know, I have to make things happen, and so yeah. they're they're, you know, in the long run, it'd be good for them when they learn this now. But they really, you know, my, most of my message when I'm on radio and TV, I'm, I really want people to to take their life back in a way and decide like, I need a creative project. I need a sense of purpose. I, I need a routine. Um, this would be really important for them to come out of this actually even better than they were going in. Mm -hmm. I, in uh, my Seattle area community, I, I really loved what they did because they realized that the seniors weren't going to have graduation, right? At least not in the usual way. Yeah. And so People got together and there was this huge parade of cars, some of them decorated, some of them honking horns to celebrate. And I just, I love that because that was a creative solution to somehow shift something to a, a you know, a safer venue, but still to allow that, that expression of joy and pride for getting through high school. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just to mark the occasion. And and I love there's been a lot of creativity, the drive-by birthday parties and the drive-by yes. graduations. And, you know, that was a creative way to do that. Not all communities have cars like that and could do that, but but there's um there is some some workarounds that people have done. And that is actually, you know, people who are engaging and trying to do these workarounds or starting new projects, they're doing better. Than, than people who are kind of paralyzed and frozen in this time. We can understand so tell me, that phrasing, yeah. but. Yeah. yeah. So you, you talked about the importance of creativity for teens. And when I think about their routines and you know, their normal routines, you know, pre-COVID and working hard at the studies, 
what is it that they're, what ways are they typically creative and um, how can they shift to embrace creativity now? Well, I think overall, you know, our young people are less and less creative. I think that has to do with, you know, having the phone in their hands and being able to consume content to spend their time instead of having to create something for themselves. There's a difference between kids who are creating content for the internet and the kids who are just consuming it. And the kids are creating and are doing better because it really is developing that prefrontal cortex. Anytime you're involved in anything creative, you're really developing and stimulating your prefrontal cortex. Your anxiety is going to go down and your depression is going to go down because it pulls you out of the amygdala. And that's, that's an important piece to it. And so the creativity also gives you a sense of purpose. It builds your sense of confidence. And um, it's something to do, like our brains want to solve problems. You know, it's evolved for 2 million years, our brain to solve problems. And if we're home all day with nothing to do with the luxury of just getting food from the kitchen, you know, there's nothing to solve. So our brain starts to create problems like no one likes me and and um, nobody wants to spend time with me and I have no friends and those are kind of then you have to figure those out and mm -hmm. and that really could spiral down negativity but if you gave the brain something to engage in some mm -hmm. problems to solve that are good you know creativity is really problem solving because if you're going to make something you're like okay what do I put on this side what do I put on this side you're making decisions mm -hmm. right that problem solving is, um, is your brain needs it to feel charged up. And what I see is right now, a lot of teens are just exhausted. They're really unmotivated. They're really exhausted. Actually, adults are the same way, right? We're, yeah. And we think it's because we're filtering a lot of stuff, but I think that it's it's lack of having problems to solve in your brain. And, and so the lack of the stimulation to that prefrontal cortex is exhausting us. And if we had things to solve, it actually charges us up. It actually invigorates right. us. It makes us yeah. feel like we mean something and we're, you know, we yeah. belong here instead of like untethered. And so that's what, that's really the message I want to get out the most. And I know that um, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about how if you do the same things over and over again, then the neuropathways kind of stay stagnant. They stay in the same pattern, which actually starts to age the body and mm -hmm. that we need to do things differently on a day-to-day -day basis in order to kind of create those neuropathways. Uh, so it sounds like you're, you're, you're kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I think routine is really important. So it's really, you know, our mind, if we don't have a routine, our mind's trying to, you know, we're, it's clutter for our mind and we have a routine, it doesn't worry about that. But at the same time, we like really need novelty. You know, we really need novelty in our days. And that's what a lot of people have been missing during this time is, is some novelty right. because that stimulates you, that invigorates you, gives you energy. And so exactly what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I never really thought about creativity as problem solving, but, you know, there's the, that important piece of it of, of how you put things together and yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. If you organize a closet, if you clean out your closet, you have to decide what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with that? How am I going to set this up? So it's neater in here and I have more access. Like mm -hmm. decision-making is problem solving and it's good yeah. for you. You know, those things are good for you. So uh -huh. if you have those kind of problem solving and things that are really not overwhelming problems, you know, they're not like mm -hmm. difficulty, they're not troubles. It's um, but they're making decisions that's going to be really good and invigorating. Okay. So what do you suggest for the teens who are stuck at home, you know, doing the same old, same old, uh, 
what's going to help them with their anxiety? Well, first of all, they can get my book, <laughs> right? So it's an activity book. There's a lot of activities that are tried and true that I've used for 20 years in there, really helping them understand anxiety. I think the first thing is, is like, we don't get what it is and the mystery of it gives it a lot of power. So understanding what it is, what it's from, right? It's not an illness. It comes from our culture and really understand how that works really takes the pressure off or the, the negative self judgments off. And that makes all the difference. But right now during COVID and this uh, pandemic and social distancing, we need community. So you need to be talking to people if it's outside or online. Um, they need that routine, like I said, which includes like sleeping good and movement, right? Getting some exercise in, uh -huh. eating well, and then um, creativity. We've covered that. Sure. And then novelty. So they, so those are the pieces that everybody needs to do a sense of purpose. I'm sorry, sense of purpose kind of is within all of them, isn't it? And if we don't have a sense of purpose, we don't feel like we belong and we feel really untethered. And so kids need like goals for this summer, a project that they've never done before. They need something to work towards, something to make, something to do. And it's great if you do it for somebody else or do it with somebody else. That's the extra bonus. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. We're gonna go to a quick break, but um, when we return, I'm gonna have you address the anxiety of masks, how that, how that affects that age group, and some of the ways that we parents, grandparents, and teachers can help the teens. Stay tuned for more with Jody Amen. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip empower and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change, with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, 
health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show and the Vibration of Change uh, here on KKNW AM 1150 in Seattle, Transformation Talk Radio around the world, and of course, Facebook Live on Transformation Talk Radio's page and Christine Upchurch Professional page. I'm talking today with Jody Amon, and she is an anxiety expert. Uh, she's experienced it personally, and she has helped families and teens deal with anxiety for decades now. Okay, so one of the things I wanna talk about is the issue of masks and not from, you know, I think that there are some um, different perspectives on it, not just in terms of philosophical, but there's, there's actually some medical differences. And I'm not talking about that. We've got mandates to wear masks in a lot of different places. And so teens are in a situation where they too have to wear masks. I know with little kids, you know, I've got, um, grand nieces and a grand nephew who are have like been practicing wearing masks and they're terrified when they see adults in masks. You know, historically, if somebody's in a mask, they're, what are they, are they holding up a store or they're trying to hide themselves. Since we take so many cues from our face and we're covering so much of the face, how do you see this as affecting teens? Well, you know, a lot of teens I see are getting together outside, so they're not using them when they're outside. And I, I don't know, I have to say that that, that it's streamlined, it, it's easier for them than it is for a lot of the adults I see, to be honest, because kids are adaptable. Kids are really uh -huh. adaptable. Even young kids are really adaptable. And there's more um, anxiety, I feel like, coming from adults. Um, because it's a you know coming from adults about wearing masks, like feeling like they can't breathe well or not really liking their face sure. covered, and so that you know that creates a lot of anxiety, and so they feel like they can't do it. Um, but I really haven't for my for my teen clients, I really haven't heard a lot of complaints to be honest, and that might be because oh, they're good. not going to many places that they have to wear masks. You know, they're in their own houses right. or they're outside wow. with some friends, and so they're not wearing them that often. Even if they yeah. go to the coffee shop, once they're out in the seats outside, they could take their masks off to drink that mm -hmm. coffee. And so um, right. they're not, they don't really have, they're not really doing it. It's not like they have a job where they have to wear it eight hours a day, unless they do yeah. have a part-time job and then they're doing yeah. that, but they're choosing to do that because they want to have that job and have that income. And so mm -hmm. I really don't see it as sparking a lot of anxiety, but I'm sure in That's individual great. cases, like some kids are afraid kids are adaptable. So once it becomes normal, then it's going to be fine. When it's unusual, then it's like, this is weird. And then once you uh, start to, like my son was home for a long time. I was the only one who shopped in the beginning of stay-at-home orders. And so sure. the first time, he's 20, so we were all home but me for like weeks. No one went out. And um, 
And then, so the first time he went to a store, all masks, he was like, this is bizarre. You know, it's like, it's new yeah. and it's different, but then you get used to it really, really quickly. And that's what I think it's important. Mm -hmm. Like we are highly adaptable. If we thought that we could do this, we wouldn't, we'd be like, no way we could do this. And then we do mm -hmm. it. It's like, yeah. we don't, that's why anxiety is so rampant. That's why it's such a huge problem is like, we think that we don't have the skills for things. And then we absolutely do. We don't know it to, cause we don't really have, you know, almost like it's like, you know, I was meeting with this uh, psychiatry chair earlier today and he was like, you know, definitely people are struggling a lot more. Mm -hmm. Like life is harder. And I said, but yeah, we're struggling more but life is actually easier. And I think that's sometimes part of the problem. In mm -hmm. some of us managing some of these challenges that we had actually is building some resilience in us because we're connecting and seeing our skills like we haven't seen in a while. Uh -huh. So I think about some of the upside of the stay at home orders for those who have a secure home where there's not um, like child abuse, that sort of thing. It's I think it, it's probably um, helping to connect families more deeply. And I think about the teen years as sort of flying by because, you know, the kids come and go, they're either in their room studying like crazy or they're out with their friends or interacting with their friends in the, in the home. Um, do you see a positive upside to the stay at home um, for the teens? Well, it depends on the family. So some families are active and they've been, they've tried to do novel stuff. And then some families just watch TV all the time or something. So it depends on the family if they're active or they're not. And there's a culture, it's like a family culture to be active or look for something new or look for something creative, right? And then there's some families that, that don't have that culture um, for a lot of different reasons. And, and you know, cause there's just some families who are more active than other families. So that does affect the teen. If a teen's staying in the room the whole time, uh, this is, I'd be really, really worried. You know, they yeah. should be interacting, you know, if they're not interacting with anybody at all, this is really dangerous. It's not good for our psyches. For social beings, we need to be around people. But families who are, you know, some families I talked to, it's like, I spent so much time with my kids that I never thought I'd have. It's been such a gift. You know, there's, yeah. so for a lot of people, it's been a gift. Of course, then there's some people who are, you know, has have had a shelter at home with like toxic family members and it's been really yeah. difficult or, yeah. you know, not having enough food or whatever. And so there's, you know, there's definitely a whole gamut and it's hard to really overgeneralize, but because, uh, because so many experiences are so different here, but sure. I mean, a lot of people felt like they had a gift of having more time together. You're in the car less, right. Running around a lot yeah. less. And so everybody has been together more and maybe eating healthier because you're making food now. And, instead right. of running around, like grabbing something between uh, practice or something like that. Yeah. I, I feel like I'll be remiss if I don't mention this. Um, in what ways do we need to be concerned about anxiety, anxiety symptoms and signs when um, with our teens? I think like about, you're asking when we should think about getting depression. help or... No, no, I think about um, depression and, and people worrying about suicide. Should be, we be concerned if teens are particularly anxious um, that they may become suicidal? 
Well, you know, um, sometimes not often, you know, you know, that usually comes with more of a depression and okay. sometimes depression comes with anxiety because it stinks so bad to feel that suffering all the time. And so mm -hmm. you get really depressed about having to live like that. And so depression does come with anxiety, comes with the context, but also anxiety and depression both come out of context of relationships, um, of, of disappointments, of things that happen. And so uh, when your child's going through like a breakup or, um, you know, being bullied or being left out of a friend group, those are times that we really want to keep our eye out and really listen to them and have them really share all the things that they're feeling and thinking so that we could um, prevent something like that happening. We'd be in the know. And I always tell parents like consistently learn from your kids what they're doing each day and how they think about their friends because you know if you don't talk to them for a really long time it's too much work to update you but if you just they just oh, have to right. update you about a day it's like so much uh -huh. easier so if you're up to date on what's going on with their friends and their romantic relationships then you'll be updated regularly and you'll be right there to see something if there's some red flags or there's some trouble and I think that's like the best place for teen, for parents to be really, you know? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay, before we go any further, um, I want you to share with our, our listening and viewing audience about your website and um, what it is you offer. Yeah, so I have, um, you know, I'm a blogger and a YouTuber, so I have lots of free videos on there, but I also have courses. I have three courses for teens that are brand spanking new. So there, okay. I have a, a, a teen confidence course. I have a course on teen building your intuition and trust in yourself. And then I have one um, about um, relationships, having healthy relationships in teenage years. So I'm really excited okay. about those. But I have like 16 online programs that are for self-help and personal development. And, um, you know, I teach people how to use their intuition, how to develop their intuition. And I think that's the most powerful way we could recognize our sovereign power. And we could start like you're, this, this radio station is about vibration, right? So we can vibrate higher and really connect with, with the powers that are around us to really be more successful and happier and full, filled with joy in this life. And, you know, right. I, I didn't mention this about the book to you, but you know, the hope I, I'm a, I'm an energy healer as well. So when I was writing the book, I did a lot of ceremony around the book to really vibrate it at a healing energy. So sure. even when kids are reading it, they are, um, they're feeling, even if they don't read the whole thing, but if they're holding it in their hands, they're going to get some of that energy that I put in the book. That's going to make a difference. Sure. If you think about it, if we really help this generation and then they grow up and they have kids, you know, Epigenetics teaches us that we are we have 14 generations of trauma in our DNA, and we could uh -huh. heal that. Actually, epigenetics means gen genes change. So when we heal sure. ourselves from that trauma, and we heal ourselves of the, our anxiety, some of our anxiety comes from that trauma, right? If mm -hmm. we heal that, we're not passing it along. So you yeah. could think about what, how we could really, really change the world if we really heal this generation. First of all, we're saving them decades of bad relationships and anxiety sure. and low self-esteem, right? And it's easy to do. I could do it. And, and also, um, we're creating this um, cleaner DNA that doesn't pass along this trauma. Yeah. And when you're not having, not weighed down by the trauma, you're kinder, you're more connected. You know, we, we lift each other up. We care more, you know, there's not that fear that makes us try to get power over other people, which is most of the conflict going on in the world. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that the, the trauma getting passed down through DNA has um, been evident through scientific research. So it's not this, this mm -hmm. woo-woo concept. Mm -hmm. it, it really does pass down from generation to generation. Okay, so with your programs and, and with this book where you've got exercises for the teens to go through, what age range are you really gearing it towards? Well, hmm, I, I would say Generation Z. So, you know, maybe 12, maybe not be interested in reading the book. So maybe about 12, 13, but all the way through mid 20s. Okay. I don't swear in the book so that parents would buy it for those younger teens. But, sure. uh, you know, if I, if I was writing the same book for college students, maybe I'd do that just to be a little more relatable. But I uh -huh. think college students and actually adults are getting so much out of this book already. So parents to help their kids, but also adults to help themselves. Because I yeah. explain anxiety, really, anxiety works on us all the same way. It works on yeah. us the same way it works on a teenager. And so the same, um, you know, we could use these things as well. So it's it's really for all ages, but it's I'm speaking in the kind of speak of, of Generation Z. Okay. So you mentioned the A word, adults. And I think about the anxiety that we're, we're experiencing right now. What advice do you have for us? Well, uh, my biggest advice is this is temporary. Mm -hmm. This is temporary. And usually, you know, the adults are caregivers of other people, either our parents or right. our young people, right? And so- And sometimes both, yes. Sometimes both at the same time. So it's a really stressful time. We're in the middle. And so if we understood for ourselves, if we did our own work and, uh, and knew how to trust ourselves, then we could teach it in both ways. Right. And also we, if we knew that this was temporary and that we're going to make it, and we knew that we had the skills and abilities to do it, then we could model that. Uh, I think it's, you know, I always tell parents, like, tell it, what do you, what do I tell my kids? Tell them we're not going to leave you like this. You know, tell them that this is temporary and there's a lot of things you could do. You could get totally better. You know, we could cure, cure right. you of this anxiety. And first of all, you have to believe it and do your own work for yourself too. And I explain sure. why I believe that anxiety is completely curable in the book. Mm -hmm. And that's from 20 years as a mental health professional. So it's not just I'm woo woo and blah, blah. No, no, it is, it is comes from our culture and we could undo it. We could unlearn it. Okay. So tell us a little bit more. Why is it and how is it curable? Well, actually, so, you know, you, you had mentioned in the beginning that I had experienced anxiety myself, and most of us have actually, you know, and sometimes we come into the helping professional professions because we had our own health crisis. And yep. so I had anxiety for 20 years from age five to my mid twenties. And I noticed, I, I'm going to fast forward through the story. My story's on YouTube. So you could look up Jody Eamon, my story, my anxiety story, but, you know, I realized in my twenties that anxiety was learned like that I learned it. And so I really committed myself, body, mind, and soul to figuring out how to unlearn it and how to get rid of it completely. And so I developed a six step process actually. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, the, the, the six steps in all my programs, in my books, I go through the six steps, but the six steps are really understand it biologically to take the mystery out of it. Right. Uh -huh. Understand the lies. Number two, understand the lies that it tells. So you could really do an expose and understand what anxiety is saying, because it sounds true, but there's uh -huh. ways of us to know that it's not. And then, then we don't believe it and it doesn't have any okay. power then. What's different about my method is that I deconstruct anxiety. Most other uh -huh. methods that help with anxiety uh, are teaching you skills and teaching sure. you how to you know, calm yourself. 
But my method, we deconstruct anxiety first. So the one and two is deconstructing anxiety. Then the third one is building your skills and knowledges, building your skills and abilities, really getting in touch with those. And number four is um, forgiving yourself because like it's, it's our, it's our negative self judgments and are not trusting ourselves that makes us not think that we could handle anything. So we really have to make peace with ourselves. We can't cure anxiety right. unless we have peace with ourselves. And that's why I teach people intuition because we all have intuition and sure. really it's about trusting yourself and being able to um, trust this life in the world. And then the uh, fifth one is strategic affirmations. So how to change those beliefs, we have to change uh-huh. our beliefs because that's what how we heal. And then number six is practicing these self-care things that we all know, you know, sleeping good, eating good, exercising, meditation. So that's number six. And so you combine all those, life is good. Like you could really sustain and maintain your happiness. And in this book, I really go through like the science of it, like the science of happiness and why we have to do like how much control we actually have. Because there's so many thought leaders who say, oh, you don't have control, like just surrender. Uh-huh. That doesn't help someone with anxiety. You know, we just don't, don't want to hear that, right? Uh-huh. We want to, but I teach like you have a hundred percent of control over the thing that matters. And let me show you how, let me show you how it breaks down. And, yeah. I, and I think that's really powerful. And, I think this really can change things. And, and I love the, the fact that you bring in the, the intuitive piece too, because I think that that's so essential. And, and so it's this, this walking on both sides of the street where you have control, you get to make choices, you get to write your story how you want to write it, but also surrender to the flow of the information into that connection, that soul connection to either the quantum field, the divine, whatever you want to call it. And that allows us to um, have the best of both worlds. Exactly. Trust. Trust is the opposite of anxiety. So we build oh, trust. I like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Anxiety is not trusting, like feeling helpless, feeling out of control. And the opposite is trust. We build trust and we build a robust mental health. Mm-hmm. Okay. So oh, we're talking about adults right now. And I think about the polarization in our society right now. Um, oh gosh. I, I, I barely get onto Twitter these days because it just, it, it makes me crazy. Um, People don't have open discussions and talk about, you know, point A versus point B, and let's let's see if there's a place to meet in the middle. It's like, I can't believe you believe point B. I'm a point A, or you know, I'm gonna <laughs> shun you. I'm gonna shame you. You know, really, how do we deal with the anxiety that can come from this particular thing? Again, we have to understand the platform. So, you know, the, the social media platforms engagement is the, the point, right? So these things that these, these polarizing ideas that people post and then having people complain and then there's a lot of what? Engagement. So they are going to be in your feed a lot more because the social media agency, whatever platform you're talking about, is like, sure. oh, this is engagement. Let's show more. And so that's why we see it so, so much. And we think it's like, it, it almost looks like it's much, much worse than it is. You, I mean, I shouldn't say that it almost seems like it is it looks like it's much worse than it actually is. And so when we're not connecting person to person and realizing it's, it's when you connect in person to someone, it doesn't feel, sometimes there's less of it. 
Mm-hmm. Right. There's less of that polarizing. When you look right. online and you see all that, you're like, oh my gosh, everybody is going crazy. But not everybody's going crazy. It's a very small percent. But in our newsfeed, mm-hmm. it's a huge percent. So it could really increase our anxiety. So one, get off there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, take yeah. a break. You know, that there's there's no help in looking at that those comments going back and forth and those fights. Like, what good is it for us? Mm-hmm. It doesn't help, it doesn't That's change. Right think it's not helping us in any way it's just freaking us out like things are a things are bad you know there's a there is a lot of problems but not as bad as it seems on there and so I think that's an important thing to know I'm not saying things aren't bad I'm not like well I don't want to um but right it's it is bad but it's not that bad and so be with people that's my that's my that's my suggestion (laughs) yeah and that of course I mean with the the stay-at-home orders in some states and the social distancing, it can be challenging. But I I went to a um, a Zoom birthday party the other day, birthday celebration for Kyle, who supports this show, and she also supports me bringing my work forward. and And that was kind of a kick. And it's like she lives on the other side of the country. I don't normally go to her birthday parties, and then you know here was this opportunity to connect. And I think about how if we realize that we're so many of us are coming from the same place of trying to deal with a stressful situation wanting to help ourselves our families and our communities but it's an opportunity to connect more deeply as opposed to um, a time for polarization exactly yeah well said okay so do you have any any message in the next three minutes or so a final message for adults and or children dealing with anxiety? Well, I just want to let people know again that this is temporary. This is something that uh, could hit anybody and, and it could, you could get rid of it. Like it, there is potential to get absolutely rid of it in your life, to, to live free from anxiety. And so that is, you know, if you don't believe that's possible, and I know there's a lot of mental health professionals in your life maybe that told you that it wasn't possible, but that's not true. It's absolutely possible. And it's only when you believe it's possible, then you're going to take action. If you thought you couldn't get better, you don't do anything, you know, to try to get better because you, you know, what's the point? You're not going to get better. And so- feel different and alone and isolated. It's the worst thing. But if you thought, hey, this is temporary, I could get better. The people who believe they could get better, get better. And so if you switch that, if you like come on this journey with me, come watch my videos and and get help, get my books, you know, get my books, then um, you'll see that you could get over your anxiety completely. And like, you know, this life is short. You know, we, we really, we have stuff to do. We have a great potential. Our young people have great potential, so much more than they know right now. And I just want to tell each and every one of them that they're amazing. You're amazing. Parents have it really hard right now. And I feel you and I know how hard you're working. And I just, I guess I just want to encourage people. I think so. we need most of all right now, right? Is encouragement. Yeah. And one of the things that concerns me is that in a sense, we've, we've paused, you know, in a, in a variety of ways. Um, and yet this is our life right now and we need to thrive or we're missing out on a, on a chunk of our lives. And, and at, at the age that I'm at, I know that that's a very significant thing. You know, with younger people, it's probably really hard because they're often more in the moment, but it's, 
you know, it just, it's going to go by in, in, a, in an instant. Um, but, you know, we, we have to live our lives in a way that satisfies us. It gives us purpose, gives us direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what's your website? JodyAman.com. J-O-D-I-A-M-A-N.com. I'm on all social media. I do a live uh, coaching session on Facebook every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. So yeah, so and come to my website, find me. And where are you on, on Facebook? Uh, it's at Jody Amon Love. So J-O-D-I-A-M-A-N. And so it's Jody Amon Live Happier is my Facebook page. So yeah, so okay. come by on Mondays. You could ask me questions live and I, I could help you out. Mm-hmm. And I still work with people privately. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you need some extra support from someone who knows what they're doing, uh-huh. hit me up. And, you know, as, as a therapist who works in a particular state, can you do distance sessions across states? Are you, are you allowed to do that? Um, licensing is different for each state. So it is okay. state by state what the rules are. And so I, I just look at each state. Uh, I do, I help people all around the world. And so that's different if it's out of the States, but there's several States that just, just let me, just let me know. And then I, um, and then I could tell you if I could help you or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine if you separate out coaching versus therapy, that, um, you know, the, the coaching is probably fine, right? Yeah. It depends on the state if I'm licensed. So I, um, but yeah, so some state, you know, most states are fine. It's just a couple that I have to be careful of, but yeah, let me know and and see what I could do to help. Okay. I want to thank you for joining us here today. And uh, we're talking about this important topic because anxiety is rampant right now. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. And I want to thank all of you for for being here. And I know that the video may be a little wonky, but, um, you know, I'm in nature. What can I say? Very soon, I'll probably be back to really good internet and we'll be missing the nature. So thank you for joining us here today. Um, I invite you to step into your vibration of change. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.